powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Here we go now. All right, joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, one of our favorites, Robert Turbin. Turbo joins us every single Friday. Turbo, how's it going? What's up with it? I'm doing good. Currently in Las Vegas. Not too hot, so I'm feeling okay. Been out here all week serving as a mentor for the young guys at the East-West Shrine Bowl, right? Kind of giving them advice and sharing uh, my experience and also doing some stuff with the Pro Bowl games. But currently at Valley High School here in Las Vegas, uh, being a part of this special needs sports camp. It's been a lot of fun so far. Right now it's halftime, so you guys caught me at the perfect time. Everybody's getting pizza. We caught you at the perfect time. This is a scheduled event, Turbo. Every Friday at 12 o'clock, we got you, oh, we got oh. you on, the, on the deal, Turbo. Oh, my bad. My bad. I, I didn't realize that, that that's what it was. I didn't realize it was on a schedule like that. Turbo, kind of like we're on, on air. The, on the spot. Oh, right. Oh, right, thanks. Right, <laughs> hey, Turbo, who you, um, who you liking in this Super Bowl, man? I'm looking at the matchup. And you got a complete team on one side. And, and the Chiefs got a complete team, right? They they get after the quarterback as well. That defense is good enough. Uh, but I look at Philly, and something has me rooting for the Eagles, man. I think I think they're going to pull an upset. What you thinking? <laughs> uh, is, is that an upset? I thought they were favored in this football game. They're, the favored. they're favored now. It's going to change. By the time Pat Mahomes yeah, goes out there yeah. and practices, you know how that go. Right. Right, right. No, I, I, I got the Eagles. I'm with you on this bump. And, I mean, I don't know about the, you know, finding myself, uh, you know, cheering for the Eagles per se, but I, but I do feel like they're the more complete team. And if you just look at the matchups that they've had throughout the playoffs uh, and, you, and you just kind of compare them to really any team, uh, they are the most complete team. They're the most complete team that we have in the NFL this year, and they've proven it with the way that they've played and they've proven it with the way that they've, you know, played in these playoffs specifically as well. And so the Chiefs, obviously, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, man, he can overcome a lot of weaknesses uh, if you have any uh, on your football team. But, man, I feel like Jalen Hurts is very similar with his game. Uh, and the fact that they have more pieces, uh, I think, gives them the slight advantage over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Hey, Turbo, I'm kind of springing this on you, but I know that you've watched, obviously, a ton of sports growing up, so you're going to be set no matter what. Uh, Bump and I uh, were talking about, like, the best, like, I'm him performance. Like, what is the best single-game performance you've seen from anyone? It will not surprise you to know that Bump uh, chose one from Kobe. Um, Taylor and I, who's uh, in the control room, we're talking about Reggie Bush versus uh, Fresno State. Uh, Curtis, you had, uh, oh, Dame. Um, against OKC, so lots of good stuff. If you were to think of like, man, this was a game where this guy just took over any league, any athlete, any sport. What's a game you still remember to this day? Oh man, that is whew, that is a, a, a hefty question because you can go in so many different directions. But since you guys got a little basketball, sounds like you got a little football, right? Her Dame's name in there. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with, if you guys, I mean, Serena Williams, I'm a big fan mm. of hers. And uh, it's hard for me to choose, you know, which, yeah. uh, you know, which open she won. Uh, but, you know, just the course of her career, just, just watching her dominate 
I, I watched the documentary on her on the flight one time, and I grew so much respect for just her work ethic and everything that she's gone through throughout her career and how she elevated herself to be the best. And so, you know, I can't put my finger on, like, which opponent or which matchup uh, it was, but to see her dominate for so long, uh, certainly stands out to me. It's a good answer. I feel like I'm in Family Feud. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Number one answer. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Serena has moments for days, man. And speaking of moments, I'm looking at Pat Mahomes' performance last week on that bum ankle, um, powering through that. Do you think years from now we're going to look at Pat Mahomes when we're breaking down his career and his top performances? Are we going to look at that game and say, all right, this is one that, that we remember and admire for him pushing through that. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Because, listen, I've had a high ankle sprain. I don't know if you have, Buck. Yeah. Uh, but I certainly, I've had a uh, uh, high ankle sprain, like I mentioned, but also teammates who've had high ankle sprains. I, I think the quickest that I've ever seen anybody come back from one is maybe after three weeks. I feel more comfortable saying one month. Uh, but I know it took me you know, six, and even when you do come back, and six is normal, and even when you do come back, there's a pain threshold that you have to mentally overcome uh, throughout, you know, uh, uh, you know, weeks in, in advance because it, it really takes a solid eight to ten, even a year sometimes before you don't feel any pain anymore in that ankle. So the fact that he was able to get that out there basically after a week uh, and cut it out the way that he did, uh, was uh, was a massive uh, performance, and certainly will we'll, down the road. We'll look at that one as as uh, as one of his big time performances. Whether he wins the Super Bowl or not, mm-hmm. we'll look at that like man, that was a big time performance. We've been talking about where Seattle needs to add, um, specifically in free agency. So we know uh, that we want to see them go, for instance, with like a defensive guy at number five overall. When you're looking at free agency, uh, Turbo, it doesn't have to be a particular name, but where would you love to see this team continue to add? Well, I think that um, I think wide. I think another weapon at the wide receiver spot. You know, really solidifying that that third spot. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, Keith did really well. Marquise Goodwin did exceptional this season. Uh, you know, had some some health stuff. You know, going on throughout the year, but for the most part, uh, he was there. You know, Penny Hart uh, when he's active. You know, always seems to be able to make a play uh, somewhere, and they still got a couple young guys. Your guy. Bub, I know that you, you you love so much in that wide receiver room, but really shoring that spot up uh, where, listen, I mean, this is a quarterback-driven league, and we know that we got a great back in K-9, but at the end of the day, you know, you look at, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the teams that are in the Super Bowl right now, the Eagles, there's a multitude of weapons uh, that they're able to utilize uh, on the offensive side of the ball. The 49ers are very similar who are in the championship game, and so, uh, you know, Bengals, same way, you know, they were in those championship games, and so I think, you know, adding a third weapon—I don't know if it's going to, maybe DJ Chark from the from the Jaguars—he's going to be a free agent. Uh, you know, Higgins, T. Higgins might be a little expensive, too expensive for that, but that's what I would like. I mean, obviously, the defense is the priority. Don't you know? Let's, let's not mistake this, but um, adding another weapon at that wide receiver position, or maybe even tight end, for that matter, I think um, would be would be good for the Seahawks to do. Yeah. You're looking at that backfield. Obviously, Ken Walker did his thing. I'm looking at Rashad Penny, Turbo, and he's he's a free agent. And I'm, I try to imagine a world where Penny and Walker are healthy. And I look at that, that tandem, I go, that could be something special. If you're the Seahawks, are you having conversations with Rashad trying to get him to come back? 
You are. I mean, I, I think you're, you're you're not necessarily having conversations about him coming back yet. I think the conversations right now revolve around him and his health, right? Because that's got to be the priority. But if he is on track and he is on track to be healthy, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that there are some conversations uh, to be had. Because the fact of the matter is, you know, with with Rashad being a free agent uh, and some of the things that he's unfortunately had to go through. Uh, throughout his career, you, you can you can probably get him uh, for, uh, you know, an affordable amount uh, to be able to pair with K-9. He knows the system. You know, he knows, obviously, uh, this offense and the players, and he's got great uh, relationships with the guys. And so, from that standpoint, I think that uh, he could be really successful. Whenever he's been in the game, he's been successful. You know, he's had an impact. Uh, and so, I think he can, can continue to do that uh, but, uh, so, I, you know, I'd love to see him back. We'll see what they decide to do. Uh, hey, what do you make of uh, of San Francisco? I'm kind of thinking ahead, right? Like, I, I don't want to jump ahead too far past the Super Bowl, but I'm thinking ahead to the NFC yeah. West in 2023 and how yeah. competitive it might be. I'm a little worried about the Rams, but what do you make of San Francisco's situation? they got to find a new defensive coordinator, and they got to figure out what they're doing at quarterback, right? They do. They do. And I think that we're going to start to see a, a little bit of slip uh, in the in the San Francisco 49ers. I think that, you know, if, if you look at their team, obviously they're, they're, you know, they're a good team. They made it as far as they did this year. But this has been a repetitive kind of thing for them, you know, over the last four or five years. You know, they went to the Super Bowl once that year in 2020 when they played against the Chiefs. But since then, uh, they've fallen short in that NFC Championship game. And, you know, that window is not going to continue to stay open for them for that long. you got teams like the Seahawks uh, who are getting better. The Rams are going to be really focused on bouncing back uh, this season. So there are two teams right there. And Minnesota Vikings uh, probably going to find a way to not beat themselves in the end of it. I expect them to be better. Um, next season. And so, you know, there's teams in the NFC. If you look at the 49ers, it's like, well, we, we know they, they got Nick Bosa and they got some good defensive players. They're going to lose some guys uh, this offseason. I don't know if this, if this uh, continued success can sustain, uh, you, know, you know, through the upcoming seasons for the 49ers. Turbo, you've uh, played in a Super Bowl or two yourself, got yourself a ring. When these teams are preparing, you got two weeks to prepare. Like, do they have time to enjoy themselves um, as they prepare for the Super Bowl, or do the winning teams kind of block everything out and just focus on the game? Because I would imagine that there's a moment where you, you realize I'm playing for a championship. I'm playing for that ring. How did you guys handle the couple weeks leading up to the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were focused on just being where our feet were. But, you know, whatever we were doing in that moment, that's what we were doing. If it was, a, you know, if it was media, if it was time for media, if it was, you know, time for practice, you know, we were, we were focused on those things. And you know, whatever was going to happen tomorrow or in a couple hours or whatever happened before, you know, kind of didn't matter uh, in that moment. And I think that's the best way to approach uh, your preparation for the Super Bowl because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of cameras. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of autograph signings and things like that going on. So it's really important just to be present in the moment at what you're doing because if not, then the distractions can actually become distractions. But I think you're, you're, you're looking at two uh, uh, really disciplined teams, not really new. Like we, 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 can, we can think that this is new for the Eagles, but 
I mean, they just won the title not too long ago. Now they've got different players and obviously uh, a, a different coaching staff, but from an organizational standpoint, you know, this is something that they've been through uh, in recent years. So it's not so new that they won't be able to handle it. I think they have a mature team. They still have a lot of veterans on that team who were a part of that Super Bowl team before. Guys like Brandon Graham, number 55 on the defensive side. And obviously, we know Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, they've been through this also. So I think it's about just being present in the moment, what you're doing, uh, and not allowing those distractions to, uh, you know, uh, distract you, essentially. You know, this might be related, but how do you avoid a Super Bowl hangover? Like, what's the number one most important thing for a team to know or do or think after they win, right? Like, it's all good during the parade, but then you got to be able to get back to the start of the season and start all over. Yeah, you got to be able to compartmentalize. And, uh, you know, I think the Rams are a good example, a great example, because, you know, here you are, you, you won a Super Bowl. It's Los Angeles, it's Hollywood. If you've ever been out there, it's a lot going on, Bump. I already know. In LA, it's a lot going on, you know, and after you win a title, it's even more going on. And so you have to be able to compartmentalize and, uh, you know, kind of mentally get into this mode of, you haven't done anything yet. And, um, you know, that's a gift and a curse because, you know, sometimes you, you run into former players or even coaches, for that matter, who have, you know, won titles. Uh, and, you know, they talk about, man, you know, one of the things that, that I regret in my career is, uh, you know, not enjoying the moment more after winning a championship. So focused on the next thing. And so you have to be able to find that balance. But, you know, uh, all of us, a lot of us, I, I should say, who, who have, you know, gone through the ranks, made it to the NFL, coaches who become head coaches, we started as underdogs. And that's the mentality that you can't lose even after you've won a title. How many more titles can you, can you win? Yeah, I, I remember Coach Carroll, one of the things he would always say was, he would ask the team, that was great, can you do it again? And now, and then boom, instantly, like there was this challenge that was presented on the table. Can you do it again? You know? And it's like, oh, you you feel like an underdog in some ways and you want to be able to take on that challenge. And so I think that's how you avoid the hangover. You got to find ways to challenge yourself and keep yourself uh, in that underdog mentality. Last one I got for you, Turbo. You, uh, you missed the, uh, the get together we had last week because you're in California or you were in California training for the alumni game. What's the status there? How's the left hand? What's that stat line going to look like? (laughs) Oh man. You know what? I might go out for 25 or 30, (laughs) Uh, but the team, the team is looking good this Sunday. All right. This is going to be our first scrimmage of three that we'll have in preparation for the actual game. So we got the referees pulling up. We got the shot clock, et cetera, et cetera. Really getting ourselves prepared. This will be our first opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited. Turbo, I've never heard of guys doing scrimmages before an alumni game. Y'all better win this thing. Y'all are prepping for real. <laughs> the walkthroughs. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The first time I played this alumni game, I was a guest. I was in Dallas. It was 2015. I was playing in Dallas. We had a game on Thanksgiving, and my coach called me. My high school coach says, hey, how would you feel about playing in this alumni game? We want you to come be a special guest. I said, I'd, I'd be happy to. It was on a Friday night, but we played Thursday on Thanksgiving. And so I said, you know, I don't know if Coach Garrett is going to give us 
the day off, you know, the weekend off after Thanksgiving. Anyway, long story short, he did, right? So I go, I fly home, and actually I was released from Seattle that year, and so I didn't really have all my stuff or whatever. So I played this game like some bands. I cut my sweats in half. So anyway, <laughs> we're playing this game, and, you know, long story short, we're getting blown out by 20 but We come back, and we lose. We lose the game. We lose by nine, all right? And, you know, we're competitors, but You know what I mean? So even though this is a happy-go-lucky game, all right, I'm still kind of mad that we lost, okay? <laughs> you know, I'm pretty pissed off. So, uh, But the reason why we lost, Bump, is because we're playing in this game against a team that's setting back screens and they're running plays and they're setting up their 2-3 <laughs> defense, and we just right. out there hoping. Right. So I said, no, 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 no. I got to get it back. I got to get it back. And that's how the alumni game was born. It just was it. like, look, they, yeah, so we got to get our stuff together, baby. I did. Hey. So I did. We be winning. Let's go. We be winning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He is NFL analyst Robert Turbin, about to be a champion in this upcoming game. Thanks so much, Turbo, for taking the time. We appreciate uh, it. All right, Turbo. Yeah, love y'all. See y'all ya. take care. <laughs> this hour, Bump and Stacey is brought to you by Muckle Shoot Casino. Let's get to headline rewrites. Extra, extra, read all about it. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bump and Stacey. <laughs> Headline number one. In an interview with a CBS golf broadcaster at the AT&T Pebble Beach program, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers says, quote, he's not going to San Fran. What's the real headline? Considering it's where his family lives, we all could have told you that. Yeah, he ain't got a good relationship over there with his people, so he stays far away. But there are are other factors into him not going to San Fran. He is going to be able to go anywhere he wants to go. He's one of those guys. If you need a quarterback, if you're competitive, and Aaron Rodgers says he is interested, Mm -hmm. teams are going to take a look. It's going to come with a hefty price, but uh, he's got the juice. You know, I need to double-check it, but I'm pretty sure that San Francisco may be in a really sticky salary cap situation as well. Mm -hmm. So even though I think that for Aaron Rodgers, anything with San Francisco is kind of personal with that team because they didn't draft him, and he probably holds that grudge all the way back to 2005, I also think that San Francisco wouldn't even be able to afford to do anything. Uh, They were short draft capital from the Trey Lance trade, trying to make that up, and they also don't have a ton of salary cap space, going to have to make some tough decisions. So... Fingers crossed, Seahawks fans. It keeps them from being quite as competitive next year. I don't know that it will, but hey, anything works. Next up. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Seahawks quarterback coach Dave Canales has a second interview with Baltimore for their vacant offensive coordinator job. And also the Broncos have requested an interview with Sean Desai as they search for a defensive coordinator. What's the real headline? So what I'm hearing is that Shane Waldron and Clint Hurt are still here. I just want to make sure that's what I'm hearing. That's the real headline to me. Yeah, love Canales, love Desai, appreciate what they've done. But there are a few coaches that you can't lose. Pete Carroll, Shane Waldron, Clint Hurt, and Andy Dickerson. Those are the coaches you cannot afford to lose. And Canales has done a great job. He's been with the Seahawks for a very long time. Desai is a head coach in the making. Eventually, he I think he's going to be head coach in this league, and that's what Pete Carroll does. He helps guys along in their career. As long as the names that I mentioned are still here, I'm good, man. Canales, go ahead and get your interview. Desai, do your thing. But Waldron, Hurt, Pete, and Dickerson are the names you can't lose. And I know sometimes those coaches that are um, kind of in the background have huge impacts, right? Like, we know that the Seahawks loved wide receiver coach uh, Sanjay. Is it Sanjay Lyle? 
Lyle. Lyle. Yeah. And, and DK loved him. And then he came back, which is great. But, like, so there are position coaches that players are like, I love this guy. My success is because of this guy. I know that Bobby and KJ used to say that about Ken Norton was when he was linebacker's coach. But you're right. I think in this case, it is far more impactful uh, that obviously coordinators and then the offensive line coach remain. Yep. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, Derek Carr says he wants his next team to be all in on winning the Super Bowl. What's the real headline? And I want my next boyfriend to be all in on marrying me, but we can't always get what we want, Derek. He wants the team to be like all in on winning a Super Bowl. That means you're going to be a backup quarterback on a Super Bowl contending team if okay. that's what you're ask. thinking. Like The team that he's going to go to if he wants to start are going to be teams that are desperate, teams that are trying to build, teams like the Jets, teams like... Uh, who else is out there? The Falcons, teams like New Orleans, teams that have a lot more work to do to get there. So if he is, if he really wants to win a Super Bowl, he has to be okay with being a backup quarterback. And he might be all right with it. I don't know. What team do you think he could go to? I'm springing this on you, so your answer might change. That might give him the best chance. What, like a quarterback needy team that is closest to potentially getting to a Super Bowl. <laughs> A quarterback needy team is never close to getting to a Super Bowl. But oh, that's a good point. Um, I mean, the Jets, they have a good defense. Yeah. Washington has a good defense. You got to go somewhere where the defense is solid and you got a couple weapons. I look at the Jets and the Commanders. Defenses are solid. They got some weapons. But uh, Super Bowl contending teams already got their guy in the center. All right, NFL honors this weekend. We'll revisit who's nominated for which award. You got a couple Seahawks in here, plus an update on that story on Joe Mixon. It's all coming your way next. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. All right, taking a look around the NFL, we are going to start with Joe Mixon. Earlier this morning, there was a report that Mixon had an arrest warrant out for aggravated menacing charges. That stemmed from an interaction he had with uh, someone else the day before the AFC Divisional Round game. Uh, recently, that story has been updated. This is from Ben Baby, who covers the Bengals as a beat reporter for ESPN. He said that that charge against Joe Mixon has been formally dismissed today uh, at the request of the Hamilton County Prosecutor's Office. So it was there, and then it was gone. And now it's done. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what can you do? <laughs> what can you End do? End of the story. I mean, it, it, it's crazy how that happens sometimes. And sometimes... People who are in the spotlight get a different type of treatment and privilege. I'm I'm speculating here. I don't know exactly what happened, but it's, yeah. it smells kind of fishy well, a little this, bit. Yeah. The story was that he was outside of, like, on a street. I don't know if it was outside of a bar. It just said, like, on the corner of this and this. Um, and uh, reportedly had, like, a gun in someone's face or whatever and said something. And this is the day ahead of the AFC Divisional Round. So either the charges were dropped, they didn't find that person credible, maybe the person retracted it, whatever it was, it's the end of the story. I did see someone saying, why are we talking about this? The NFL's talking about this because he's an NFL superstar. And people are going to want to know if Joe Mixon has been arrested and is going to be on the team or not. I think genuinely people are just curious as to whether or not that's going to be happening. Uh, All right. Next up, we obviously know the incredibly scary moment that happened with DeMar Hamlin. Speaking of the Bills earlier this year, it was a moment that we talked about on our airwaves for a while. Uh, Inspired by DeMar Hamlin, CPR training will now be offered 
at the Super Bowl. It's inspired by the life-saving medical attention that DeMar got from the care team that was on there. Um, This actually is something that spawned even before um, DeMar Hamlin's collapse on the field and, thank goodness, uh, his ability to start his recovery, uh, which was that I think the year prior, um, inspired by Curtis, I'm going to forget his name. Who's the soccer player that collapsed because he had... Oh, it was like, uh, like Erickson. Erickson played for like Team Ice. I'm, Christian it, Erickson? Christian Erickson. So after following his collapse, the NFL uh, had even more of a focus on potential cardiac events for players. And so it was almost like ahead of this really scary event, they were like almost more uniquely suited to be able to care for it. And now I think they're recognizing like, let's continue that training. Not only that, but let's continue that awareness. So thank God that the life-saving practices were already there, but also like, yeah, CPR training at the Super Bowl. Let's continue to, to prep for the worst and scariest moments for players. Yeah, you got to get better, man. And just the more prepared you are, the better. And also, let's extend this to high school fields and courts yeah. as well. Um, because I've seen some instances around the country where these athletes are dropping too, man. And the sooner you can get help, the better. So, yeah, I'm all for that. Josh Weinfuss, who's been on our show a couple times, Bump, whenever we've played the Cardinals, has a new column. Uh, it's on ESPN.com about the five biggest questions facing the new Cardinals regime. Obviously, uh, it's what to figure out on defense to replace J.J. Watt, the top offseason priority for you. If you are a head coach being hired by the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow, because they're still figuring out their head coach situation, what would be your number one question or issue you'd need to solve or figure out? you got to develop a relationship with Kyler Murray. I mean, he makes your team go. You got to make sure that he's in a good headspace and then just make sure defensively that, that you're good to go as well. You're in the um, NFC West where you have the best defense in football and you always got to keep up with the Joneses. You got to figure out what's going on. What are they doing right? So it's the quarterback and just making sure your defense is good to go because Kyler Murray's good enough to win you games if he's in a great mental space. But you got to be able to stop guys on defense. So it's Kyler Murray. Look at that defense. It's also just going to be a tricky situation for Arizona in general. Like now you're dealing with a home crowd fans getting angry because they haven't seen uh, what more than one home win this year and more than like five or something like that in the last two years Mm -hmm. that are uh, now thirsting for your team to be competitive. You are in a division where one team will be returning from back to back NFC conference championships. The other will be a year removed from or two years now removed from a Super Bowl. And I kind of think the Rams could be scary again next year. I have not ruled them out as uh, contending in the NFC West, Bob. No, as long as you got Stafford over there, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, I think he's coming back for another year. You got Sean McVay. That's the formula right there. Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd. Uh, You got some names over there. So they had a down year, but... When you look at them on paper and personnel, there's enough talent for them to be competitive. We might be looking at the NFC West next year and saying it's back to being one of the more competitive divisions in the league. I agree. Derek Carr knows that his time with the Raiders has come to an end, and we already knew that as well. But he was asked about the February 15th trigger date on his contract, which gives the team additional time to resolve his situation. He's told reporters he has no intention of extending that trigger date, and he says, I don't think that would be what's best for me. He seems ready to move on. Um, He says that, uh, look, if it gets to that date and I'm released, then I'll be able to talk to friends and figure out what to do. It is what it is. Everyone knows that Derek Carr is moving on, and I think Bump at this point, most people have assumed that'll be via being released and not trade. Yeah, he's going to be released. I mean, you don't send somebody home two weeks before the season is over um, for nothing. 
I think it's played his course over there. Now it's about finding the right situation. He says he wants to go to a team that's all in to win a Super Bowl. Man, if that's the case, you're going to be a backup quarterback. Can you be the guy? Now, once you reach a certain age, 31, 32, 33, if you're not already established as elite, you're going to be the guy who has some question marks. Mm -hmm. Can he take this team to the next level? Is he capable of doing it? Derek Carr has some good years. This guy is not a chump in the league, but he's he's in that gray area. Is he good enough to win championships? He's good enough to help you be competitive, but... You know, he's one of those guys. He's a Geno. He's he's Derek. He's yeah. Kirk Cousins. Are you good enough to win a championship? You're not sure. All right. Well, we are going to see at uh, next weekend Super Bowl something historic. And this is going to be one of the conversations we're having leading up to it. You're going to have two black quarterbacks start in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes was asked about this and had this to say. Um, I think it's special. I've learned more and more about the history of the black quarterbacks since I've been in this league. The guys that came before me and Jalen set the stage for this and now i'm just glad we can see we can kind of set the stage for the guys um that are kids that are coming up now uh for anyone who's going to dismiss this story i think it's a really important story uh but bump what do you think about people that are like oh why does this matter because i have my take It, it matters because representation matters and it motivates a kid to see someone doing something they want to do that looks like them, sounds like them, talks like them, shares some similarities. That's all it is, man. If it doesn't affect you, then maybe it's not for you. You know, if it doesn't affect you, you've seen guys like you play quarterback already and have success. When I was growing up, there weren't many black quarterbacks. I was a quarterback in high school. I was the only black quarterback in my league when I was playing. In the whole so, league, like multiple schools? Yeah, whole league, about 10 teams. I was the only black quarterback. So um, it's just, it, it motivates kids. It gives them hope. And if it means nothing to you, then good for you. You've had a whole bunch of role models show you that you're capable of doing that. That's one of my most annoying things that I always see is like, why does this matter? No one cares. Well, someone does care. And it's okay that, like, if you don't care, it's not the end of the world. Like, that news just isn't relevant to you on that day. Not not every program is made for you. Not every station is made for you. Not every team is made for you. Not every decision is made for you. Like, everything isn't made with you in mind. And if someone somewhere is watching Jalen Hurts play in this game and thinks, oh, my God, I want to be a quarterback, great, fantastic, more people playing football, which is exactly what this league wants. And I think that, I don't know. I think it's really important for people to be able to see all kinds of people represented, especially when those people like Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are amazing players. Who has an issue with this conversation? I have no idea. I just I don't understand why it ever matters that uh, people are mad that it's a story. I think it's a really cool story. You're going to see plenty of it, which is why I'm bringing it up in NFL headlines. All right, let's get to one more mock draft here. Um, This is one that I will admit to you guys. It is a little old. It's from yesterday, but I'm coupling it with a newer story today. Eric Edholm has his uh, brand new uh, NFL mock draft uh, that came out today in NFL Network. I'm going to go ahead and combine his pick with Danny Kelly, friend of the show of the ringer bump. I didn't get to his pick the other day. So, Both have defensive players for the Seattle Seahawks. Ed Holm has the Seahawks taking Tyree Wilson, Edge, out of um, Texas Tech. We've seen this pick before a couple Mm -hmm. times. This next pick I love. Danny Kelly has a world in which some trades are made to get quarterbacks in the top five picks, meaning that by number five, Jalen Carter is still available to Seattle. That's some my is that a steal or uh, some is that my wish list? That'd be a heck of a steal right yeah. there, Jalen Carter. Man, I would I would assume the draft room for the Seahawks will be going nuts if Jalen Carter slid to five. I hope you are right. I like that pick better than uh, Levis. That's for sure. I don't. I 
We've entertained it to entertain it. I can't see a world where this... I can't see a world. I can't see the Seahawks taking a quarterback at five. I can't either. If if they take a quarterback at five, that means Geno's gone. Well, that means Geno's, Geno's not here. They moved on or he got a better deal that they were able to offer. And you know Schneider and you know Carroll very well. Do you see either of these guys taking quarterback at five? I know it's possible, but when you think of the kind of teams that they want, is that the decision you see them making? Only if Geno's gone. And Schneider's yeah. done a is a great evaluator of quarterbacks. That's something he's really good at. So he if he sees a guy that he wants yeah. and Geno's gone, that's the only way. But no, I think they look at this defense and say, we have to get better on defense. All right. Well, let's talk about Geno potentially being gone. For what number would you let him walk? That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. All right, it's a football Friday powered by the Snoqualmie Casino Sportsbook. Taking your calls in 15, going to open up phone lines um, by far, by far. I don't know if you're tired of it. I don't know if it makes you excited. Whatever it is, by far the most responded to topic uh, that we get from anyone and the most polarizing topic is what you do at quarterback for the Seahawks. So your caller question coming up in 15 is simple. Would you sign Geno Smith at $30 million a year? That's it. That's it. That's below the franchise tag. If you want to call in and be like, hey, you know, like uh, maybe you could move the salary cap around, whatever. $30 million a year, yes or no? Would you sign Geno Smith? Um, so I figured that you and I could get the, st- the conversation started by talking about Smith's value versus the risks in signing Smith, laying it out. Like mm-hmm. we know that it goes both ways. I will say it. Great text from the 253. Uh, but what number would you let Geno go for? Bump. You said you love Geno. So would you say, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that? But I won't, won't do, do that. that. I will not do anything over the franchise tag. 32-4. 32-4. Anything over that is like, all right, well, this is this is what the league is saying that you are worth right now. They gave us a number to say, yeah. look, if you're going to franchise a guy, this is what he's going for. So I wouldn't do anything over that. I'd have to let my mans walk. It would hurt. Yeah. It would hurt because... I believe, and that's the thing. Some people don't believe in Gino, and you're allowed not to believe. People don't believe in a lot of things. Some people believe the world is flat. You're you're allowed to believe. Kyrie. All right, Kyrie, come to L.A. We're waiting for you. But, um, you know. Come to the other half. The other half. I believe that Gino will put together another decent season. Will it be a Pro Bowl season? I don't know. I don't think he needs to have a Pro Bowl season for him to help this team advance and uh, rebuild in the process. So it's... um. It's all about what's your cup of tea. That's my cup of tea. 32-4 is where I draw the line. So how about this? Let's say it's 30. If the answer was 30 right now, you'd say yes. Why would you want to pay Gino over Drew or drafting a quarterback? Over Drew. I would pay Gino over Drew because of what he did last year. I would pay Gino over drafting a quarterback because only five quarterback, only five rookie quarterbacks have gotten teams to the conference championship. We saw Brock Purdy do it in, what, seven, eight games. Not even a full season. Yeah. Yet... He gets that crown. I think Geno gives you a better chance to win right now. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not – a Super Bowl would be nice. A Super Bowl would be lovely. It would be ideal. But I'm also a realist, and I understand how this game works. I understand how difficult it is. I understand the missing pieces that this team has. And 
the first goal should be to win the division and you you have one of the best teams in football in your division. Mm-hmm. If you can't even win the division right now, what makes you think that you should be set up to win a Super Bowl? And I don't think a rookie quarterback even gives you the opportunity to win the division. It's all about taking the next step. You made it to the playoffs this year. Next year, I'll take a win in the wild card round. I also want to, I agree, take something that I know works. I don't know that Gino uh, resets new Seahawks franchise records next year, but I do think that the version of Gino we saw was consistent enough because I don't buy into that narrative that Gino was good for five games and then horrible. Gino was pretty solid and consistent through much of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The offense struggled with turning the ball over, um, but particularly in the first two thirds, we're scoring enough points to make up for it. Um, And then they struggled because they they had no run game. They had no run game. They had no individual running back from something like November 6th to uh, December 10th or 15th. Yeah, four games in a row. Had no individual running back rush for more than 37 yards. Is that a Geno problem? I don't think so. No, it's not a Geno problem. It's an O-line. It's a running back. It's a young team's problem. You got two rookies on that offensive line. You have an interior line that you think is going to be addressed during this draft. And then you have a rookie who's trying to go for a home run shot every time. That's part of the development. That's part of the the rebuilding process. So Geno overcame a lot, but you can't overcome everything. He's a quarterback. He's not a lineman. He's not a running back. He's not a receiver. And teams struggle at some point during the season. The team that was in the AFC Conference Championship, the Bengals started off with like two L's to start. Yeah. You know what I mean? And your doubt. Yeah, and my doubt. I did not <laughs> think they were going to be able to bounce back. My bad, Cincinnati. My bad. But you know I'm what? A believer. They didn't. They Well, they made it to the Conference <laughs> Championship. The That's a successful yeah, season for us. Of course, for them, they want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I just think that Gino is better than the mediocre label that he's been given by a couple uh by fans who don't want to pay him. I also think that if we, collective royal we in Seattle, didn't have to pay Gino, everyone would be on board with Gino. Mm-hmm. Everyone's, you heard Gino chants, Gino, from the crowd, whether it's in week one, whether it's later in the year. People loved Gino. Um, and I don't pin all the losses this team had on Gino. And so I look at it and I say, you know what? I don't want to change much about the offense. I like the offense. I thought the offense was good enough to go further in the playoffs. Um, they need to stay healthy. They need to keep that run game going. They need the interior of the line to get a little bit of help. But I liked the offense. Why do I want to take a hit at the most important part of the offense? I, like, I, I know that there is an option somewhere out there to mm-hmm. potentially get better than Geno. But right now, I want to focus on getting better on defense. And I think you can do that while paying Geno. That's the reason that I see it. If I thought paying Geno kept you from getting better defensively, I'd say, sorry, Geno, you got to go. But I don't think that. If you genuinely think the offense was the problem, then I'm I'm trying to understand you. I get why you would say, okay, we're not going to pay. Gino, I don't think the offense was the problem. I think the offense was the strongest point of this ball club. It was. Other than Jason Myers, you know what I mean? It was the most consistent, and it was the part of this team that got them to where they, they needed to be. So that's how I look at it. It's real simple to me. It's not as complicated as I think some people are making it out to be. The offense was the best part of this team. Gino was the best part of this offense. How many pro bowlers do you have on offense? One. I mean, I guess I unfairly counted DK, but he wasn't really this year. He wasn't. No, this year. You have one pro bowler on offense. 
And it's, it's Gino, and he's a pro bowler for a reason. This isn't make-believe. And I understand people don't want to buy in to the fact that um, Gino can run it back and repeat it. Yeah, that's a gamble you take every single year unless you have one of the top four quarterbacks in the league. Well, and not only that, but I think that we misremember the way that this team won a championship the first time. I five four one right here. Save the money, build the defense. It's been proven with Russ and Brock Purdy. First of all, those two teams were built in very different ways. Uh, secondly, the the San Francisco 49ers built their defense for being bad for four years. Do you mm-hmm. want to be bad for four years? Because that's how they built their defense. They didn't go pick up Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa and all these guys in free agency. They picked up Sherm, who's no longer with them in free agency. They got a couple guys, but for the most part, the best talent on that team, outside of, I don't know, McCaffrey, has been drafted talent. Not all in the first round, right? right? Not all top five picks, but there was a minute there when they had a bunch of first rounders on their defensive line that were exclusively draft draft picks with Russ being here in Seattle. First of all, Russ was better as a second year player than we all give him credit for. Like go back and look at highlights from Russell Wilson. He's not the reason that they won a Super Bowl, but he's part of it. But they also had the entirety of their defensive core playing on their first contract Mm -hmm. and the entirety of those guys, with the exception of Averill and Bennett were guys that you drafted. Let me let me kill something real quick. 509. You cannot make a run at a guy like Deron Payne and Pagino. Yes, you can. Let's kill that right now. For some reason, people think paying Gino $30 million a year is going to stop you from going and getting a guy. You can go get a guy paying Gino $30 million a year. Okay, His cap hit isn't going to be $30 million, And you cut guys, you replace guys to make room. There's ways to make room. So um, this, I, I'm, I'm almost annoyed at that argument because, you, yeah. yes, you can. You can go get a guy and still pay Gino $30 million a year. Well, yes, I'm annoyed you can. at the argument because it's used to shut down any other argument. It's kind of like someone saying, uh, you know, Hey, you can't count on Gino being a Pro Bowler again in 2023, but you can count on Drew giving them nine wins. Both are chances. Yep. <laughs> Both are risks. Um, the dark. And I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to continue this conversation because people are ready to sound off. So call now. This Don't isn't a text. We're doing callers. We're not fighting with anyone, but we're ready to debate. And if you are ready to debate or agree with us or disagree, whatever it is, I know you guys have great points. I've been seeing them all day. 866-979-3776. Call right now. Your question's simple. It's not just yes or no, though. So keep that in mind when you call. Would you sign Gino at $30 million a year? If your answer is no... While I do think it's a baller move to say no and hang up, I would I would really <laughs> I would really prefer if you would tell us why. Uh, likewise, if your answer is yes, tell us why. It's just would you sign Gino at thirty million? Right? Keep it simple. That's what we want to know. So call right now eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. That's next.